Liz Merrill, you've reported for us an origin story about a guy that I have been trying to learn more about, where he came from, what his whole deal is. And that is Jason Tatum, the star of the Boston Celtics, now in the NBA Finals, the 24-year-old that the world is watching right now. And you did this with Ramona Shelburne, our colleague, but you don't start this story like in a gym somewhere. You started actually before Jason Tatum was even born. So where does this story begin? It starts in St. Louis. It's 1997, the 4th of July. A young woman named Brandy Cole, who's had a pretty phenomenal high school experience in which she graduates at the top of her class. She's the class president, and she's going off to college and to play volleyball. But on July 4th, Brandy finds out she's pregnant. And how does she react to this news? She's shocked. She's scared. But the biggest fear she has is telling her mom. Her mom's name is Christy Jersh, and Christy was also young when she found out she was pregnant with Brandy. And she was also a single mom. She sacrificed a lot for Brandy to have a better life. She waited a long time to tell her mom. One day, she's three and a half months pregnant. She's working at the photo counter at Walgreens and she collapsed. So she goes to the hospital And she's, like, begging one of her friends to tell her mom because she's so worried about disappointing her. Her friend tells her out in the hallway the news that her daughter is pregnant. And she walks in, Christy does, and she hugs her. And she says, we'll get through this. And on March 3rd, 1998, Jason Tatum was born. Brandy didn't want people to sort of see her and say, oh, no, here, she she ruined her life. She was going to be a college graduate. She was going to do whatever she wanted. She wouldn't let this stand in her way. And she was going to do it with her son. I was afraid I'd lose my scholarship. I was so afraid that if I took one semester off that I'd turn into a statistic. So no matter what it was, I made sure I went at least one class every semester. She wouldn't just go to college. She'd acquire a master's degree and then a law degree. A lot of what Jason is doing right now comes from lessons he learned in St. Louis not that long after birth. That attitude that she could do anything. And that's really where Jason Tatum, it's really the genesis of what has brought him to the NBA. Here's a guy who was overlooked for a long time, and he has been, on most nights, the best player on the floor. And it comes from his mother. It comes from a belief in himself and a belief that she had that they could do anything. 
I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything, but I just really believe in myself. I really believe in our team. And I just had faith that we were going to give it all we had, um, regardless of the outcome. You know, some of those guys been in the Eastern Conference Finals four times, my third time. You know, obviously we know we won't win a championship, right? Now it's obvious, right? Now it is obvious, very obvious, that Jason Tatum is the face of the winningest team in NBA history and one of the five best players in the league this season and the key to whether the Celtics are about to topple the Warriors' dynasty. But tonight, when you watch Jason Tatum in Game 3 of the Finals, make sure you pay attention when the camera pans over towards the crowd in Boston right to where Tatum's mom, Brandy Cole, will inevitably be sitting. Because if you want an explanation as to how Jason Tatum is doing any of this in these playoffs, with the Celtics taking out Kevin Durant and Giannis and Jimmy Butler, and now, maybe, Steph Curry, it starts with the person who first believed that he could. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Wednesday, June 8th. This is ESPN Daily. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So, Liz, I did know that Jason Tatum is from St. Louis. I did know that his background is something that I wanted to talk to you about. But what were those early years like? Tell me about what he and his mother, Brandy, went through. Well, Jason comes home from the hospital, and he's living with Brandy and Brandy's mom. Brandy didn't want that. She wanted Jason to know immediately that she was going to juggle as much as she could just to to give them what they needed. Now, to do that, she moved out of her mom's house, and she did it when her mom was at work because she knew her mom would probably put up a fuss about it hmm. because she was determined that they were going to do this on, strike out on their own. And, you know, Jason, as a kid, remembers seeing an eviction notice on the door. He remembers times when the electricity was caught. And she was, she was doing this while she was going to school, while she was working. Jason was telling us about a time when the heat got shut off at their house in the winter and there was only one space heater. So they they kind of had to huddle together under that one space heater just to keep warm. It forged sort of through this adversity, it forged a definite closeness, a further closeness between them. I literally took him everywhere. I took him to class with me. Like when I played intramurals, I took him with me. Um, Everything I did, we just did together. She'd be sitting in a lecture hall and there would be a tiny child next to her. 
he was usually pretty good. As he got a little bit older, he would be playing with like his Game Boy or something while she was in class. So if you think about it, they're with each other all the time. So Jason's mom, you had mentioned, was something of a star volleyball player. Jason, though, how does he get turned on to basketball amid all of the things you're describing? His dad, Justin, had played for St. Louis University. And then he played overseas. One of the first memories that Jason has is his dad putting a basketball in his hands when he's really young. And his dad coached him when he was young. But he lived day-to-day with his mom exclusively. And and so at what point does it become obvious that Jason Tatum was growing serious about the game of basketball? Brandy says she thought when he was in fourth grade that he was something special. Um, Jason was younger than that when he was telling teachers and people at school that he was going to play in the NBA when they would do that, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And teachers, of course, are are telling him, well, you know, do you have a plan B? Do you want to be a doctor or veterinarian or whatever? And he's like, no, he didn't have any other plan. He was going to make it work. This was like a big thing for him. It's like this, I'll do this. It's do this or die Mm. because nothing else mattered to him. And that was forged at a really young age. And so in this sort of ambition. Another character emerges. This guy, Drew Hanlon, who I know of, he's an NBA trainer. He works with all sorts of like really good, really famous players like Joel Embiid. And how does he show up in this story, Liz? So Drew is from St. Louis. At this time, I mean, he's like 21 years old. He's barely out of college, but he's really developing a portfolio with getting these elite young players to to train with him. Uh, at that point, he had been working with Bradley Beal, who was headed to Florida and would play there for a year and then go to the NBA and, and be a first-round draft pick. Yeah, but, number three overall. Yeah, really good prospect. Yes, and so St. Louis is a pretty big city, but there were connections there that make you think that it's like super small. Brandy's volleyball coach in high school just happened to be Bradley Beal's mom. (laughs) So Besta Beal was someone who Brandy immediately contacted. She's trying to do whatever she can to get her son uh, in front of Drew. And when she talks to Drew Hanlon, his initial answer to her is no. I don't train kids who are younger than high school. But in the meantime, Bradley Beal had really become friends and kind of taken Jason Tatum under his wing. Uh, they're like five years apart. Yeah. Which you would think, that's pretty unusual. And Jason couldn't drive. And so Bradley would be like driving in places to practices and stuff. And Jason's mom wanted to somehow repay him because, you know, high school kids don't usually do that for younger kids. She wanted to give him like gas money or like a, a gift card to 
Emo's, which is like the big pizza place in St. Louis. And sh- and he's like, stop it. And he said, that's my little bro. <laughs> Bradley Beal puts in a word for him, does his part to convince Drew. But what's also happening is Brandy is talking to Drew and she knows that he's getting to be pretty big time on the training scene and, and working with college basketball players And she says, your fee is probably high. Whatever it takes, I'll pay it. I'll get the money somehow. I think that sort of told him how passionate she was about her son. And he was was moved by what Bradley said, but he was very impressed by Brandy's commitment to her son being the best he could be. And so it wasn't even so much about, wow, this kid, Jason Tatum, he's going to be something one day. It's more about, man, his mom will not quit. Yeah, Drew Hanlon was really impressed by that and decided to set up a workout. He killed him in the first (laughs) couple of workouts. He said he put him through a blender. There's a couple of times where Jason has to sort of leave the gym because he's pretty sure he's going to vomit, throw up all over the floor. But he stayed on his feet. He didn't quit. And then there's the second workout. He brought in Scott Suggs, who was playing for the University of Washington at the time. If you can imagine a college player going up against a junior high kid, that's going to create a bit of a mismatch. Yeah. And Suggs destroyed him when they played one-on-one. Halen was trying to make sure that he passed every test and to see where his mental state was. And the fact that Jason didn't quit either one of those days really impressed him. I admired his work ethic, you know, at 5.30. But, like, I didn't have to, I never woke him up. I was like, listen, I can't want it for you. I can't want it more than you do, so you have to do the work. And if I have to wake you up every morning, then you don't want it enough. And so these tests that that Jason is now passing, I mean, what did his mom think as she is watching this all unfold? She had this vision of her son being this humble superstar, that he was going to have humility. But Drew Hanlon was trying to hone a killer instinct. He wanted to make him arrogant. He <laughs> Wait, wanted, explicitly yeah. arrogant, right? The kid who was like sleeping in one bed with a space heater, with his mom, with the door closed. He wants explicitly arrogance from that person. Yeah, that's what he's trying to draw out of Jason. And, you know, he's telling Brandy, he's got to be an asshole. <laughs> and, she's, and she's like, no, he's going to be humble. He's going he's gonna to be one of these stars that that are, are nice and, and, you know, that everyone looks up to because he's so humble. And then in his junior year of high school, he takes his team to the state championship and they lose. And so after the game, Brandy walks up to Drew and says, turn him into an asshole. <laughs> turn him into an arrogant asshole. She's results-oriented. I respect this about her. She's results-oriented, even though her better instincts are like, I want to keep this child an actual, like, decent person. But he ends up going, Liz, to what some might call a finishing school for arrogant assholes. (laughs) I didn't say that. Um, So, (laughs) picture this. He he, he goes to Duke. Yeah. It's 
2013, just after Jason Tatum's freshman year. And there's this wet behind the ears assistant who just got hired at Duke. He's, he used to play at Duke, John Shire. Um, he gets sent to an AAU tournament outside of Chicago. He's new, but Coach K is off coaching Team USA. And they just want somebody to sort of keep an eye on this new recruit. He's essentially there to kind of babysit uh, this young star named Luke Kennard. And Shire looks over at court one and he sees this skinny six foot seven kid with this baby face. And from that point on, he's like, this is my mission that I'm going to get this kid to Duke. <laughs> Wait, so, so John Shire, who is now incidentally the head coach at Duke, replacing Coach K, he has a beat on this prospect, this six foot seven Jason Tatum kid. And what is that recruiting battle like as you now have come to understand it? The good thing about this is that Brandy is already uh, involved. And so there'd be a game, maybe she'd see Shire, Coach Shire at the game and she would see him in the stands and after the game, she would send him a text that he needs to F and rebound or whatever. <laughs> um, she didn't really... Uh, hide the fact that she was a very interested basketball mom. Flash forward a couple years later, Duke has just won the 2015 national championship. A few days after that, Shire, uh, Shashevsky, and assistant coach Jeff Capel are in uh, the Tatum living room. And Brandy, her specialty when she makes food are, are tacos. Mm. And so she serves up those. Shire really liked them. He went back for seconds. And the Bud Light is flowing. It should be noted that Coach K is like totally a wine guy. And that's like <laughs> the first and last time that Shire has ever seen him drink beer. Wow. Much less Bud Light. Well, but it's the, St. The, Louis, right? And, and the Jason Tatum exception, yes. For yes. this kid, Coach K will deign to drink Bud Light. Yeah, you're in the home of Anheuser Busch. <laughs> so they're in this living. They're in the living room. Justin Tatum, Jason's dad, is there, and it should be mentioned that Coach K is just going on and on in his recruiting pitch, <laughs> and Jason's not saying anything. And you know, after a while, uh, Justin Tatum finally tells the coaches, just so we're clear, he's coming because Jason is too nervous and is taking in so much information that he's just isn't he doesn't even utter it himself it was interesting everyone we talked to for the story about jason tatum said this kept saying this same word and it was belief that here's a guy even though he's not gonna you know be carrying the conversation in that living room but that they knew that there was this belief in himself that was unwavering. All right, Liz, coming up. Why the NBA did not believe in Jason Tatum nearly as much. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs of real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. 
Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So Brandy Cole, Liz, Jason Tatum's mom, has just handed him to John Shire and a uniquely Bud Light-swilling Mike Krzyzewski. And he goes off to Duke. And given their connection, the intimacy of their relationship, how did she handle that as a mom? When she drops him off at college, it's probably like the typical, hey, you know, when you drop your kid off at school, but it's different for her just because of what they've been through. She also knows that he's probably going to be a one and done because he's so talented. And then he's going to go to the NBA and then he's never really coming home to St. Louis. And so it's really hard for her. And then something else happens that Brandy knows is about to rush her son into adulthood even more quickly. She goes to visit him one day, and he's really quiet, more quiet than Jason Tatum usually is. She noticed something was off. She knew it probably wasn't the transition of being in college or whatever. She knew there was something wrong, but she didn't really want to press him. She just hugs him and says, listen, uh, whatever it is, I got your back. It sounds really reminiscent of the same sort of exchange she had with her mom, you know, years ago. Um, She goes to bed. And at 3 a.m., her phone rings, and it's Jason. He's like, are you up? She's like, well, what do you think? It's 3 a.m. But at that time, Jason tells her that he's going to be a father. And so what was her reaction to receiving this call from her son? She could have probably run the gamut of emotions, but she did what her mom did many years ago, and she reassured him. She reminded him that if things went as they had hoped, and if he stayed healthy and scouts and teams liked what they saw, that they would have something big going for them than what she had. At least the child 
might be in a better position financially than what they endured. Mm. And she told him that there was nothing they couldn't get through and that she'd always be there to help. And knowing Brandy Cole exclusively through the story that you have reported, Liz, it feels like she is not exaggerating when she is saying that she will be there to help. Yes. In December of 2017, uh, Tatum's rookie season, Jason Tatum Jr. is born. Um, He is known as Deuce to everyone. And he goes on the road with his dad and... If you look in the stands, the person who is near him is Brandy Cole. Now, I was going to say grandma, but she doesn't like being called grandmother because um, she's too young. (laughs) And so uh, Deuce calls her BB. But yes, she's very present in his life. But it is worth mentioning, Liz, and reminding everybody who maybe has forgotten or suppressed these memories, I've been tempted to do, that... There is an alternate world in which Deuce Tatum is going viral for high-fiving players in a locker room in the 2022 playoffs that are not the Boston Celtics. So this 2017 draft, because Jason Tatum is a freshman at Duke and he's entering the draft, he's a one-and-done kid. I mean, this is the draft where clearly in retrospect, he is the best player. There is no question now but he was not taken number one overall, infamously. He was not taken number two overall, infamously. So how is it that Jason Tatum falls to number three to the Boston Celtics? He was hurt in the beginning of Duke's season. He sat out the first month with the foot injuries. By that time, everybody was kind of zeroing in on Markel Fultz. The Celtics, Danny Agent, seen him uh, play in the ACC tournament, had seen Jason Tatum play there, and was very impressed with him. He brought him in for a workout, and Tatum just shot lights out, nailed a bunch of three-pointers, looked bigger in person, um, kind of debunked some of the thoughts that teams had that he was only a mid-range shooter. Mm. And the Celtics saw him even as a number one pick, but they were pretty confident they could get him at number three because Philadelphia was locked in on Fultz and that the Lakers were uh, going with uh, Lonzo Ball. Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole idea that the Sixers take Markel Fultz, Brian Colangelo, the GM at the time of the Sixers, who would then later be deposed in a burner account scandal, which is its own amazing multi-part series of a story. But the fact that Fultz went number one overall like made sense to everybody. The fact that Lonzo Ball went number two overall to the Lakers also made sense to everybody, quite frankly. And so was Jason Tatum then disappointed to wind up in Boston as the third pick? Not necessarily. I mean, he used it as motivation, uh, most certainly when he played those teams. But I would say, if anything, the biggest disappointment of that was that the Lakers didn't even bring him in for a workout. The The Lakers were his favorite team. He idolized Kobe Bryant. And it went beyond what most kids, you know, they might wear his jersey or whatever. But Jason Tatum modeled his game, his mindset, everything after Kobe. And to be honest with you, in like the 35-minute interview that Ramona and I had with him, he mentioned Kobe quite a few times. I mean, Kobe was his guy. And so he had kind of dreamed about going to Los Angeles and playing for the Lakers, but it just wasn't in the cards. 
And the NBA right now is kind of shaped by the Kobe generation. All of these guys who looked up to him, to who see Kobe as their favorite player. But Jason Tatum's relationship with him in particular is interesting to me. Because did they ever did they ever meet each other? Were they ever able to connect? So in the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals, Kobe is doing an episode on ESPN series detail. Yes, the ESPN Plus series where Kobe would break down game film, devoting each episode to one single player. If I'm Jason Tatum, I'm looking at ways to improve my game. I'm really good at posting up. I'm really good in isolation. I'm really good at creating opportunities. But where I could get better is the opportunities to catch and shoot. I'm popping out to catch, right? I'm catching, I'm looking to attack off the catch. I think I can do a better job of sliding away quicker and right into a shot. If I can figure out how to do that with my game, it'll take my game to another level. It'll make us a better team and uh, the sky's the limit. And hearing that, Liz, I mean, this just has, it had to have been deliriously exciting for Jason Tatum, like just living an actual dream for him. So people were sending him the video and Jason is just looking at his phone after practice, just he didn't know that that was happening and just completely floored that here was Kobe Bryant talking about his game. And so then he sees a text. And it says, this summer, if you're ever in L.A. and you want to reach out uh, and you want to connect, just reach out. And it's from Kobe. And, and, and that just completely makes his day, month, and year. You know, when Kobe says, hey, if you're ever in L.A., you know, hit me up. So the minute the season's over for him and he lands in L.A., you know, he calls him as soon as possible. Of course, he's going to act on that as, you know, doesn't want to waste any time. So we're back in the present tense now, Liz. We're in the NBA Finals. The Celtics and the Warriors are currently tied 1-1. And it has been, um, even for people who have become bullish on Jason Tatum over the years, it has become a a clinic that he has put on in these playoffs. I I mean, how would you describe the type of performance that Jason Tatum has strung together as the Celtics make a finals run that not nearly enough people, myself included, predicted that they would. Well, he's shown kind of bits of everything. You know, I think one of the knocks on him was defense. And, you know, in the playoffs, he was able to stifle a few pretty well-known names, such as Kevin Durant. And then, you know, now, granted, Jimmy Butler was kind of playing with an injury, but um, fairly impressive on that front also. You can look at a perfect example is game one, where they go into... Golden State's arena in the finals and and beat them. And not only they beat them, they come back from a huge deficit in a game where their best player isn't on. No. Um, he's, not, he's, he's not shooting the ball well. He doesn't have it that night. But what does Jason Tatum do? He dishes out 13 assists and is still a huge part of the offense. You could look at Sunday night in game two, although um, that was kind of a lopsided loss. He was hitting everything from three-point range uh, in the first half. Um, He ended with a team-high 28 points. It seems like his game has evolved to the point where if something isn't working, 
He is so talented and skilled at so many other things that he's still going to fill some gaps and be a difference maker. Yeah, I mean, Jason Tatum has proven this postseason, Liz, that he can be the best player on a championship team, that he is a first-team all-NBA player, which is, you know, Kobe Bryant territory to be in the conversation for the guy that teams have to game plan for because, yes, he can now shoot from three. Yes, he can defend the opposing team's best offensive player. Yes, he can pass the ball out of double teams with an incredible facility, which is just stuff that he hadn't been doing before. And he hadn't really been showing this in this way as recently, for the record, as like mid-January, right? Like the Celtics were in 11th place. They were languishing in the Eastern Conference as recently as, yeah, a couple months, as, as recently as six or so months ago. So how did Jason Tatum take himself from that point, sub-500 mediocrity to... Yeah, where he and his team are right now. He really had to look inward. He felt like his routine had to be different. His approach had to be different. He didn't necessarily doubt himself, but he sort of questioned when things got tough and they were, you know, behind a bunch of teams. He'd question whether he, he was good enough to be the guy on a championship team. Like maybe he wasn't ready, but he just kept believing in himself and just kept going back to what got him there and trusting that things would turn around. And then when the playoffs rolled around, he knew he had to be one of those guys. If they were going to get to where he wanted them to get, he had to try to dominate. And, you know, Ramona brought up a good point during the interview that we had with him that that's exactly the way Kobe thought. And Jason obviously loved that and thought that was absolutely true. And so the NBA Finals now, Liz, tonight, returns to Boston. Jason Tatum is the guy. He is this city's guy. His Celtics have won a game in the Bay, and he gets to go home, finally. And what's that going to be like, do you think, as he finally gets to settle into the life he's built? Well, it's very familiar for Jason Tatum. Um, When he usually comes home from a road trip and they fly, he's just, the plane's landed, whether it's 2 a.m. or whenever, he generally texts his mom, tells tells her that he's landed, and then he goes to her house and she makes tacos for him. Now, how can they do this? Because they live right next to each other in townhomes. They share the same driveway. (laughs) So she's always there. Uh, She's never far away. And he actually spends more time at her house than he does his own because she's got all the food and for Deuce, she's got all the toys. Man, yeah, tacos and toys. As a a dad of a young kid myself, that sounds like a pretty uh, awesome arrangement, honestly. Yeah, it's Jason's favorite. And tonight, the eyes of Boston will be on game three. um, And somewhere close in the stands. Brandy Cole will be there doing what she's been doing for the last 24 years. She'll be watching Jason. Liz Merrill, thanks for doing this. Thank you. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>